Hey there, everybody. I'm Chris Peeler, one of your community managers for Magic the Gathering, here filling in for Blake while he is out. And uh, welcome to Weekly MTG. we got a fun show for you today. Uh, I am joined by Maris Mullaly and Max McCall, who have both worked on Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, real quick, uh, Maris, let's start with you. Uh, what, what have you worked on in the set? Uh, for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, I was the creative producer for the world building team, so helped um, help coordinate a lot of the early visual development and concept pushes and just helped all the creative team members do what they do best. Awesome. Very cool. And Max, what did you work on? Uh, I was the product architect for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which like Maris involves um, working as kind of a facilitator to bring all the teams together and drive them towards uh, how we're going to actually get the set made. And then also I was on the design team for uh, parts of the vision and set design phase. Very cool. So both of you have sort of a cool big picture look at the set throughout its development history, which is really great. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, Venture into the Dungeon primarily. Uh, just as a heads up, next week we will have some more members of the AFR team talking more about individual card previews and lots more nitty gritty about the um, the set as a whole, but today we're going to be focusing mostly on Venture and covering a lot of the things that have been unveiled today. Uh, Venture is a pretty pretty wild new mechanic, and so we thought it'd be fun to chat with some of the folks who helped make the set a reality and uh, go through some of it. Uh, but before we do that, let's cover some news that happened this week. Take it away, Sean. Uh, starting sale this week, we have the all-natural, totally refreshing Super Drop. A uh, whole host and selection of great-looking new drops here. Uh, make sure to head on over to secretlayer.wizards.com to put in your orders there. Uh, we have Dan Fraser Signets, the Phyrexian Praetors, uh, some great uh, great artist showcases from uh, different, different folks from throughout the, the comics and, and illustration industry, and that uh, super sweet D&D &D cartoon set, uh, which has uh, been a lot of fun to see. Um, so yeah, make sure to put in your orders for those. They will be going on throughout the rest of the month. And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that Dark Alliance launched this week. Uh, the new game available on all number of platforms, uh, PC, PS4, Xbox, PS5, I believe. Uh, that game is looking great, ton of fun, uh, you know a great little action RPG that you can hang out with friends and, and smash any number of different uh, baddies in Icewind Dale. Uh, hope you've been enjoying it if you've been playing so far. And uh, yeah, check it out if you get the chance. Uh, coming up this weekend, we have the Magic Online Champions Showcase. Uh, this is a special event that we've had uh, eight different players qualify throughout different events throughout uh, the season here for Magic Online. And they're going to be playing... Uh, Modern Horizons 2 Draft and Modern Constructed over the course of the weekend. So that should be super fun seeing the modern format uh, evolve and change now that Modern Horizons 2 is out there in the wild. Um, you can check out magic.gg for a little bit more info and a viewer's guide uh, with your players that are going to be at that event. That broadcast happens uh, this Saturday, the 26th. So uh, tune in and check out what we got going on there. And also, if you, in case you missed it, uh, we announced earlier this week that the Love Your Local Game Store promotion that we're doing, we have a new set of 
uh, retro frame promo cards that are going to be available at WPN stores while supplies last. Uh, these promos are for uh, participating in different play events uh, as stores begin to open up and more regions are able to offer in-store play again. Uh, as more regions start to uh, open up and, and uh, health regulations start to allow for it, uh, you'll start to see more and more places offer these promos uh, for players who play in all kinds of different events. Uh, so this is in addition to the uh, release of some limited supply quantity of the uh, Mystery Booster Convention Edition that'll be happening starting August 20th. Uh, so a great time to go out to your local store, support them, show them that you uh, you miss being there and uh, that you're happy to be back in. I know I'm looking forward to uh, getting the chance to finally hang out at my local shop here down the street and uh, get some games in. That'll be good. All right, and that just about covers it for all the news items that we have for today. So let's talk Venture. But before we do it, in case you missed it, uh, I believe we have the Venture Mechanics video uh, that sort of gives a brief overview of what, what to expect from it. Sean, if you could roll that video for the folks that have not seen it yet. Sooner or later, most D&D adventures end up in a dungeon, and for good reason. The action, the mystery, the loot. Dungeons are where it's at, and it's time to venture forth on this edition of First Look, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Dungeon is a new card type. There are three dungeons being introduced in this set, including Dungeon of the Mad Mage. That's a lot to take in. Why don't you pause the video and read, and we'll catch up in a few. And welcome back. Now dungeons, they don't go in your deck. They start outside the game. You can keep them with your sideboard, but, and this is important, they don't take up sideboard spots. You just have access to them, and you bring them into the game whenever you venture into the dungeon. Venture into the dungeon is a new keyword action that lets you interact with dungeon cards. That action is found on cards that very much do go in your deck, like Shortcut Seeker. When you're told to venture into the dungeon, first ask yourself, self, am I in a dungeon? Now, you don't know what that means yet, so let's just say you're not. If you venture into the dungeon while you're not in a dungeon, you take a dungeon card from outside the game and put it into the command zone. Put a venture marker on the first room at the top. A venture marker is something small that you can use to keep track of what room you're in. For example, a coin, a die, an expertly painted miniature, whatever you have handy. Every time you enter a room, including the first one, that room's room ability triggers. The effect of that ability is what you see printed in each room. For example, when you enter the Yawning Portal, you gain one life. The room names are for flavor and don't affect gameplay. Now that you're in a dungeon, the next time you venture into the dungeon, move your venture marker down one space. Follow the arrows. Your next venture will carry you to the dungeon level, and the one after that will give you a choice. You could head to the Goblin Bazaar or the Twisted Caverns. Either way, you'll end up in the Lost level. One more choice determines how you'll get to the Deep Mines, and finally, the Mad Wizard's Lair. Each player gets their own dungeon, and a player can be in only one dungeon at a time. Once you enter a dungeon, you must complete that dungeon before starting a new one. Every time you venture, you'll progress deeper and deeper until you hit the final room at the bottom of the card. As soon as the final room ability resolves, or it's countered or somehow leaves the stack, the dungeon is removed from the game. This action means you've completed the dungeon. Completing a dungeon is great for a few reasons. The next time you venture into the dungeon, you can start a new one. 
Now you could jump right back into the same dungeon you just completed for another go, or pick a dungeon you haven't braved before. It's your story. Some cards like Gloomstalker offer rewards for dungeon completion. It doesn't matter if Gloomstalker was around for any of your dungeon adventures. Even if you completed a dungeon earlier in the game, Gloomstalker will have Double Strike. These dungeons are filled with rewards that put you in a better spot to win the game. Venture boldly but strategically, and claim what is yours. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms is available everywhere on July 23rd. Check out your local retailer or game store for more information. All right. Thank you, Sean, for running that. Uh, Matt Tabak always knocking it out of the park there with his narration, mm -hmm. working on those videos. Happy to see it. It's him. not the start of a oh. like set preview if you aren't including Matt Tabak. No, exactly. I, I mean, I, I quite literally don't know when previews start until I hear his, his sweet, dulcet tones entering my headphones. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, Venture. Definitely a pretty wild mechanic, not something that we've done before uh, in Magic and a very, very cool new space to play around in. Um, so let's just sort of, uh, in fact, Sean, if you could get the uh, the dungeon cards on screen for us here real quick while we chat about some of this. Um, so let's talk a little bit sort of broadly. Um, so where did the idea for Venture come from and what was the, the goal of having it here in Adventures of the Forgotten Realms? Um, Max, I'll have you start. Yeah, so dungeons, dungeons are in the name, right, of Dungeons & Dragons. So between that and kind of the theme of exploration and anything could happen, there's a lot of really rich space to explore around what could it be like for a magic set to have the concept of adventure. Um, and probably that should involve being in a dungeon because it is pretty core to the idea of what D&D adventuring is for a lot of people. And so dungeon crawling is a thing that most parties of adventures and D&D campaigns have done at some point. And so dungeons are kind of born out of the idea of what does that look like in the context of a game of magic, which is not at all about adventuring into dungeons so yeah no oh go on oh yeah no it's it's, it's uh you know sort of something that magic has played around with a little bit before but never quite as like directly as we see here which has been super exciting to see right like there's uh, there's just kind of got to be space to actually explore right we've we've play tested a bunch of different versions of like you cast a magic card and it makes some kind of zone or mini game or something that is lets you kind of finagle your way through that experience and they've never we've never been able to do that in a way that doesn't feel kind of artificial like largely because it's in the context of casting a card of a regular game. One of the things that's nice about the dungeons and adventures in the Forgotten Realms is that they start outside the game and then you go to them and you they, like get the map of the dungeon put on the table next to you and then you go through it in order. And that actually adds a lot of realness to the sense of you are venturing through a dungeon and it's long and sometimes it's arduous and then there's a ton of rewards at the end. 
and it is actually our uh, actually D and D dungeon tile maps. Like the, these things are made from existing D and D assets that our uh, lovely partner shared with us. So. Yeah, no, you were uh, talking a little bit earlier about uh, sort of the, the design challenge of these presented, even just from like a, a visual layout perspective, right? I mean, like, there's there's a lot going on on these cards, and they still manage to feel both like, you know, like like a magic object while still being very clearly, you know, reverential towards that D&D source material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of the room names are pulled from existing either ex actual existing places in the Forgotten Realms or from adventures or are um, inspired by flavor that you'd encounter. Like in many uh, dungeons, you will encounter a lair of goblins or a lair of kobolds. So um, having having the storeroom, having a lair of another, one of the other creature species in D&D &D, um, is just something that I think as a design team and the creative team are working through this, figuring out, okay, what, what makes sense for the different rooms? And then as we're coming up with what those rooms are, what are the rules associated with that room? What does, what does a goblin's lair do to the players? What does a fungi cavern do for the players or the creatures on the battlefield? Um, and then there was also like a great collaboration with our editing and localization teams because uh, we translate the cards into other languages and some of these rooms are fairly small with a lot of words or a lot of letters <laughs> you could imagine that presented yeah. quite a challenge mm -hmm. it it really does the the these rooms don't have very much space and there's a lot of constraints on how you can design a dungeon room and so between the space and what they have to do and the fact that you have to represent it in languages that have very long words such as German uh, makes them makes them very exciting. Also leads to a lot of fun moments, uh, like for example, uh, tag yourself, I am definitely a Goblin Bazaar here in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, feel free to pick whatever room fits best with you. Mad, um, mad Wizard Slayer? <laughs> that works. Um, oh, just as a heads up, seeing a lot of stuff coming through in chat, uh, we have... Uh, Matt Tayback here in chat. Uh, he's going to be hanging out with us here for a little bit. Uh, we'll also be taking questions later on today during the stream. So if you do have questions, be sure to uh, send an at to Magic, and uh, we'll try to collect those and see if we can get to them here on the stream today. Uh, I'm also seeing some folks talking about preview cards, and you know, I feel like we should let's let's just uh, we have one preview card for today here, and I feel like now is a pretty good time to to talk about talk about that one so sean let's pull up our preview card for this stream it is cloister gargoyle uh it is a white artifact creature gargoyle uh costs two and a white mana when cloister gargoyle enters the battlefield venture into the dungeon enter the first room or advance to the next room and then as long as you've completed a dungeon cloister gargoyle gets plus three plus zero and has flying it is a zero four creature you can see here we have both the regular version and the showcase rulebook version with some great art by Russ Nicholson there, really capturing that classic D&D &D rulebook vibe. Um, well, Russ was one of those classic D&D &D rulebook 
illustrators. <laughs> right. I just, oh no, I'm, I'm, I, I showed my whole hand here. Yeah. No, I, uh, we, uh, that's one of the great things about the showcase cards is they were able to, uh, get back in touch with a lot of the original illustrators and, and have them return here for this set. So seeing new pieces by some of, uh, some of the, the classic artists from, from D and D's past has been super cool to see. Um, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit about this card. I noticed, uh, so it is, it is a white card. Uh, Max, uh, can we, what, what color combinations are we going to be seeing venture in most frequently, would you say? Uh, so white is definitely the most adventurous color. Uh, both white blue and white black kind of have the most overt venturing themes. Venture is in every color, but they have the most density of, of venture effects. And you can kind of see that in Cloister Gargoyle. Um, you know, a red card that has venture might not like you know if you're if you're a red deck you're you're not venturing as much as if you're a white deck and so you're just smashing down the card, dungeon door right yes uh kick in the door may or may not be a card name um <laughs> and so those cards have to be useful even in the context of like you're not getting all the way through a dungeon but a card like cloister gargoyle doesn't do anything until you've completed a dungeon. I mean, it's an 0-4 blocker that you pay three mana for, which is not something anybody's ever going to call home about. So the kind of one thing you might be able to intuit from this is there are a lot of ways to venture in white, and there are going to be decks that are built around the idea of, like, I can get all the way through a dungeon, and then something good is going to happen, both because I got all the way through a dungeon and I got super paid because the last room in every dungeon is sweet, but also now I have a 3-4 flyer for 3 mana, which is a huge upgrade from what I had before. Yeah, no, there's a whole host of cards in this set that will... Uh, care about whether or not you've completed a dungeon, some which uh, I think will even track if you've completed multiple dungeons. Uh, so there's both those individual rewards that you get from different rooms, as well as those, you know, cards that really check and give you those cool payoffs in the end. Um, yeah, so just looking through chat here in case, uh, let, let's just run through some, some basic things that, uh, uh, you know, about the mechanic itself here, just to, to answer a couple of questions that we've seen pretty, pretty frequently on social media today. Uh, so dungeons are, uh, they exist within the command zone, uh, sort of similar to emblems or conspiracies, that sort of thing. Uh, they are not cards that you have to draft. Uh, anytime you venture into the dungeon, you have access to all three of those dungeons. They don't take up sideboard slots. They aren't in your deck. Uh, they're just available to you. Uh, so uh, there's not going to be any tough decisions in draft about whether or not you need access to a dungeon or something like that. There's, those cards are just available to you all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is just these three dungeons. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about like, oh, are there going to be more dungeons in the commander decks, that sort of thing. Nope, just these uh, these three dungeons. But to that end, um, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's pull up those dungeons again, if you would, Sean. Um, what really excited you guys on the team about these dungeons in particular? So, well, oh, go ahead. The, oh, go on. No. Well, a part of it was from a kind of kind of flavor standpoint, and also a little bit, bit I think, from the gameplay standpoint, wanting um, a, a, a enough variety of dungeons that gave you 
kind of that flavor of like, okay, this is the like, I'm, this is just a kind of a, a, a standard default dungeon I'm adventuring into. Um, oh, this one's this like the super dangerous one that I'm going to lose all of my um, treasure and possibly a limb. Um, and then there's some that you just go in circles and maybe never find your way out of. Although in the, in, in the dungeon cards in Magic, you can only venture forward. <laughs> there are no going in circles, so that's at least- There's no retreating. Uh, yeah, there's no retreating either. You're in, you're in. Um, yeah. No retreating and, and no member of the party that uh, manages to get everyone pointed in the wrong direction, uh, staring at the same bookshelf on a wall, trying to find a hidden door behind it for, you know, however many number of hours. <laughs> I mean, as long as that- lost. As long as you aren't getting eaten by a gelatinous cube while you're standing in that bookcase, you're, it's probably safe. <laughs> yeah, we, we cannot real. guarantee. Yeah, cannot guarantee whether or not someone is going to be eaten by a gelatinous cube. That's uh, make no promises there. <laughs> My last, I, I was no jokes attacked by a gelatinous cube in a dungeon in the last D and D session I was in. Um, so. I think it's it's a rite of yeah. passage, though, right? It is. <laughs> right, right, yeah. for sure. Yeah, the the other thing that just having all of these dungeons does is it, it kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier. There's there's more of a sense of exploration and places to go if there's more than one dungeon to go to, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're always going to the Lost Mine of Fandelver, it should probably be renamed to the Found Mine of Fandelver, right? <laughs> um, and so there's a there's a lot to be said for having multiple dungeons and that means the multiple dungeons should probably do slightly different things like if every dungeon is the same length then the density of venturing in your deck is basically the same for every venture deck and we wanted there to be reasons to sometimes have lots of venturing in your deck and sometimes have like a little but not not tons like you'll you're happy to go into the mine of fandelver maybe you don't always get all the way through it who knows and when you have when you only have one dungeon obviously it's always the same length more or less the tomb of annihilation actually is of variable length but that that's also challenging to design and so there's the there's the long dungeon for some decks that just want to do a lot of venturing and aren't as concerned about getting through a dungeon quickly and then some decks like the white black decks in adventures in the forgotten realms care a lot about getting through a dungeon and so they're more likely to go into the tomb of annihilation but the tomb of annihilation is risky bad things can happen to you there uh and then you know if you're just doing some dungeon de delving then you probably want to go to the lost mine of fandelver and you can sort of pick the middle ground and so there's kind of the relatively safe and sure path that you typically will go to and then if you're going to the either of the other two dungeons you probably have a plan and that's actually one of the reasons there is only three dungeons is picking the first dungeon you ever venture into can be tricky especially because you have to like if you're if you're trying to process everything at once you're trying to process every dungeon simultaneously which gets exponentially harder the more dungeons there are but also mm -hmm. they start to lose the differences the more there are because then there's like the super short one and the like slightly less but still very short one they're just like not as distinct from one another yeah yeah i can imagine uh you know with every new dungeon it's basically like the first time you venture it's it's the sort of this big modal effect and so having more and more of those after a while is just a, a huge amount of complexity that's already 
uh, pretty challenging, especially because, uh, as you might have been able to figure out looking at some of the cards we talked about today, uh, Venture is going to be appearing um, in all kinds of different rarities up and down throughout the set. It's, you know, you'll see it on common cards all the way up through Mythic Rare. So uh, Venturing is going to be something that you'll see all the time throughout limited games of standard using Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Let's see here. Um, Sean, how about if you... Oh, and by the way, thank you for this layout. This is a good one. Yeah. Um, if we could, let's uh, let's talk about some more of the cards that were revealed today. Um, first, if you could pull up... Let's start with Dungeon Crawler. Why not? On the theme of Dungeon Crawling? Yeah, on the theme of Dungeon Crawling, here is, here is a, a gross little friend that does a lot of it. Um, yeah, so Dungeon Crawler, this is a single black mana for a 2-1 zombie. Dungeon Crawler enters the battlefield tapped. Whenever you complete a dungeon, you may return Dungeon Crawler from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, so this is one of those cards, like we were saying, that uh, checks to see whether or not uh, you've completed a dungeon and gives you that, that extra little bonus in addition to what you're going to find uh, in the final room of a dungeon. So this is, this is nifty. I have to imagine that this will support uh, a nice little draft archetype. Um, tell you what, let's, let me, let me take a look at my notes here. <clears throat> so going, going back to talking about some of the, uh, the dungeons themselves real quick, were there, were there any particular like room effects and call outs when you were in the process of making these that you knew that we wanted to have in this set? I mean, like Tomb of Annihilation, this is a classic iconic D&D &D dungeon, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, sometimes, you know, uh, another another one that <clears throat> has appeared in multiple different D&D &D source books. Were there any, as you were, you know, in, in the design phase where you just knew, if we're going to do dungeons, we have to go here? Or even rooms, I suppose. I mean, with the, with the rooms, I feel like a lot of it was, okay, well, if you're, like, with the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, pulling specific spaces from under mountain that can be that can be referenced uh on the on the rooms but i think because there was so much um like close collaboration and back and forth to try to figure out like okay, what is going to fit here what makes the most sense how does this flow kind of how how is a dungeon how does this flow together how does this flow as a game of magic um i think that it was when there were ideas of like, oh, we want this, it's like, don't hold on to that idea too tightly because it might not, <laughs> it might not fit, it might not stay. Um, yeah, it might not work. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, going to say that that probably speaks to yeah. some of the the complexity that comes from from designing these. I, um, you know, talking to to you, Max, and and Jules from the design team, like single, it, it seems like impacting one of these rooms or one of these designs really sort of has a, a big cascading effect on the rest of the set, right? Mm -hmm. I do think Atropol was one of the ones that was like one, they wanted it to be the end of the Tomb of Annihilation. Um, and I think probably the, the end, the end point is probably the easiest one to plan for. Uh, Cause you can just say like, Oh, that's the end. <laughs> Everything <laughs> has led up to here. Right. There, that that's true. And also still tricky, right? Like, yes, like you're in the Tomb of Annihilation, like, okay, we have to make the Atropol like, the yawning portal should probably be in one of the dungeons um mm -hmm. kind of to what maris was saying earlier that 
there's there should be goblin layers, there should be tunnels, um, things along those lines. All of the stuff that you would expect to see or probably have seen if you're in a D and D dungeon, especially if you're in one of these dungeons. And but also um, every every time you venture, that has to be good. Like venture isn't optional on cards, and so mm-hmm. you you have to like you have to have a path that that is good and lets you do something so like on the dungeon level if your opponent doesn't have a creature fine you can go to the goblin bazaar but um each level of the dungeon has to be designed in such a way that there's always a choice that doesn't hose you with the exception of the tomb of annihilation like if you're in the tomb of annihilation bad things might happen to you it, like yeah it's a, it was a trapped entry for a yeah. reason yeah. Yeah. No. It's, it was the uh, sign place, on the entry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's uh. It, it's right there in the name. Um. F- for sure. Um. Taking a look at chat here. Um. I'm just picking up some questions here and there as we continue talking about cards. Uh. Seeing some folks asking about uh, whether or not they're going to be the only. Uh, if these are the only versions of the dungeon cards that you'll see, and we can't reveal anything quite yet, but I I can say. Uh, Oh no! Wait, actually, sorry. This was already in the product info. My bad. I don't have to. I don't have to be coy about this. Yes, uh, there will be oversized versions of these dungeon cards that'll appear uh, in bundles. So uh, if you're looking to have extra big, super large dungeons, uh, those will also be available in, yeah. in addition to these these versions. If you have D and D minis that you have meticulously painted that you want to use, they will fit better on the oversized card than they do on the two by three or yeah no card. you're uh your dragon uh your your uh you know dwarf barbarian might have a little bit of a tricky time hanging out on uh these mm-hmm. magic card sized ones but oversized you'll you'll be faring better there i have to imagine um another question just uh something that i probably should have talked about up top here um where can you find these cards these will be uh dang near everywhere uh, just to get that out of the way right up front. Um, there will, all three of these dungeons are going to be uh, in pre-release kits. Uh, they're going to be in pretty much every booster type in some form or another, uh, and they will show up very, very frequently. So folks mm. should not have a difficult time getting a hold of all three of those uh, when they're going out on their, their ventures. They're in the token slot, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, which Max, also... Oh yeah, so um, it was part of the rules laid down you were giving earlier. They're, they have tokens on the back. These cards themselves are not tokens. Again, you can't destroy them. There is no card that says destroy target dungeon. Um, but they're they're very easy to get, right? Like if you, uh, if you draft an Adventures of the Forgotten Realms deck, it's very likely you have some cards that venture into the dungeon. Therefore, draft boosters contain a lot of dungeon tokens. Set boosters also contain a lot of dungeon tokens, not quite as many, but still, still a lot. Um, they're in collector boosters, they're in theme boosters. They're they're not going to be hard to find. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, all right, so there was another card that I definitely wanted to have us chat about here today, um, revealed by our friends over at Idle Champions. Our, uh, uh, yeah, Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. Uh, Sean, if you could pull up Eliwick for us, please. 
Eliwick is a new planeswalker that features the uh, the venture mechanic. You might have seen seen her in the uh, arena pre-orders, and uh, and in some of our different D and D things that we've been doing lately. Eliwick has been showing up on social media. So let's talk about Eliwick. She is a uh, legendary planeswalker, costing mm -hmm. two, a green and a green. Um, plus one, venture into the dungeon. Minus two, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. If it's legendary, you gain three life. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control have trample and haste and get plus two, plus two for each differently named dungeon you have completed. Uh, starting loyalty of four on Alleywick there. Um, so this is a, a new character that's being introduced to mm -hmm. the uh, the Forgotten Realms. Is that right? Yes, she is. Yeah, she's completely new. Um, part of what uh, we were trying to do with Adventures in the Forgotten Realms was really deliver on the fun of playing D and D with your friends and that adventuring party. Um, and when we were kind of pulling, you know, known legendary characters from the D and D. Um, Kind of pantheon they're all over the place but we didn't really have like you know as we, especially as we were trying to figure out our planeswalkers we didn't have good answers for like what's our green planeswalker and and um a lot of us were sitting there and we're like all of us have friends who play bards in our game and we don't have a lot of bard representation yet um in this card <laughs> set so we kind of set out to say like okay if there was a legendary bard adventurer kind of who would she be? Um, it's I don't know if it's it's obvious from the card art or not. She is a gnome, um, and she has a card from the deck of many things that is stuck into her loot. Um, her like minus two ability and actually her uh, minus seven ability uh, reference the kind of animal handling, animal friendship aspect of her character that we always imagined this. Uh, Bard would have, and I think there, there were some early notes that were saying like she's the um, Joan Jet or Jimi Hendrix of her <laughs> kind of community. So like she goes places and people flock to see her perform. Awesome, yeah, I know. Uh, any anytime you get a group of D and D players together large enough, you, there's always you know the one player who is the all star at karaoke. Shoutouts to Steve Suno, uh, or you know the theater kid. Inevitably, you will you will get that bard in your group. Uh, mm -hmm. and your group is almost always the better for it. So I'm yes. happy to see that we get some some bard representation here in Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. This is uh, fantastic to see, and great, great art by Steve Prescott and Anna Steinbauer here. Just fantastic mm -hmm. pieces. Um, I know, Max, you were saying white is the, the most common uh, color for, for venture, but it seems like green is going to be playing a role, at the very least, for some of the, the limited archetypes from from what I can tell, to give a little little peek into what's to come next week. Yeah, like there's we're we're not like any anybody in Dungeons and Dragons can venture wherever they please, often into dungeons, and so therefore you can find it in every color. Um, you know, Eliwick herself is you're not terribly likely to find in in limited, but whatever whatever deck you draft you're likely to do some venturing and if you decide you want to do a lot of venturing you super can and if you and if you do have Eliwick, you can do really a lot of venturing um Eliwick is actually she's super fun right because she's she's super loyal she's, she's a four mana 
Planeswalker with four loyalty, and her plus ability like generates advantage. So all she wants to do is just hang out and keep venturing. And her adventure ability is like sometimes defending her and sometimes not. So the games have a lot of really fun texture. But her plus ability also is isn't doing the same prescriptive thing towards an ultimate like her ultimate is only good if you do actually complete the dungeon and when you complete whatever dungeon you're completing like you're getting paid in different ways and so all of the games are actually very different and very fun from one game to the next so she's she's a really really fun card for a really really cool character yeah it's great i mean just all the different abilities on dungeons giving uh extra texture and being able to you know, there, with so many different paths that you can take through, in addition to the different dungeon types, like it just adds to that extra level of, of variety and, and makes it so that those uh, those venture heavy decks won't play out too similarly from game after game after game, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and Ellie looks also like ah, plus two plus two for completing a dungeon. Have you considered an additional plus two plus two for a different dungeon? Uh, and what about and just one more time if we could interest you in an additional plus two plus two for that other dungeon uh, you yeah know, I mean why not let's order some spicy. pizza and do another dungeon I see no issues None. <laughs> um, so additionally we showed off today uh, there are some characters that are going to be seeing pretty frequently throughout Adventures in the Forgotten Realms Eliwick is actually sort of a part of this adventuring party group that's going to appear in a lot of different cards across the set um, and another one of the cards from the party was also revealed today. Sean, if we could pull up Nadar. There he is. Uh, Nadar, Selfless Paladin, uh, costing two and a white for a legendary creature, Dragon Knight. Uh, mm-hmm. it is a, uh, Nadar is a 3-3 with Vigilance. Whenever Nadar, Selfless Paladin, enters the battlefield or attacks, venture into the dungeon. And other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, as long as you've completed a dungeon. Uh, with some great showcase art there by Phil Stone. Uh, yeah, so Nadar is the the paladin of this group that we're going to be seeing uh, throughout AFR. Um, it's been really cool. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't wait to be able to show off more of these these party members and, and some of their mm-hmm. exploits that you'll see throughout throughout the card set. Yeah, I think you can see little uh, hints of two of them in the background behind Nadar uh, in the in the uh, standard frame of their card. So yeah, looking forward to being able to show off some more of those mm-hmm. next week. Yeah. yeah. I know I saw a couple of questions about, uh, about the creature type here, decided to go with dragon. I, I imagine rather than mm-hmm. uh, giving, giving the dragon board their, their own, <laughs> their own mm-hmm. timeline for this one. Yes. Um, creature types is a, a beautiful ballet of uh, mechanical flavor uh, in magic. There is a, you know, we, we want to find creature types that are correct for the creatures that are appearing in, the, in each set, but at the same time, kind of like having too many dungeons, if you have too many creature types, then you have, it's harder to have affinity decks or it's harder to have things that play off of other, um, other creatures if everything is a if everything has just a different creature type where there's two of each one it's going to be really hard to build decks around it so it was with dragonborn we're like well they are dragon at kind of their core so we'll keep them as dragon types um which is uh interesting to think about when you have a card like uh tiamat 
mm -hmm. and uh, just realizing that these cards will also factor into that and not just the fire breathing ones. Uh, so yeah, no. Um, yeah. Then you get fun, fun little interactions with cards from Magic's past, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, Crucible yeah. of Fire. Uh, you know, pumping up your dragons, finally being able to uh, affect something that doesn't cost uh, you know five or more mana, like all the other all the fun mm -hmm. dragon brands. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's been cool to see. Um, just a reminder, if you are looking to ask any questions of, uh, of all of us, make sure to send an at to Magic while you're asking your questions here. Um, and we will get to those shortly. Um, before we move into, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Max, was that? Oh, oh no, I... <laughs> the delay strikes again um, <laughs> um no i was just going to um ask uh, uh while while we're getting some questions rolling in here um if venture is something that we could see again or is it uh, going to be specific here to to afr so we're not really in the business of saying we'll never do things because we might real like we might we might not be able to think of a reason why we would do something and then a couple of years later we might realize oh actually there is a good reason to do that in a different way or in a different context actually the um the dragon knight is a really good example of that right like nadar um nadar really wants to be a dragon in order to play well with other cards that care about dragons and she wants to be mm -hmm. a knight because then she plays with other cards that are knights um and that's not to say we would never do Paladins or Venture or similar things in the future. It just means we want to make sure that when we do those again, they're in the right context that really makes sense for them. And so, you know, we're not thinking, oh, um, you know, some non-D&D set is going to venture into dungeons in its own way. But I, could, um, I can imagine a world that is also about exploration, for example, Zendikar, where maybe we would want to to venture into dungeons we probably wouldn't want to do that for zendikar specifically it has its own identity that doesn't cohere to adventure to to that kind of adventure but that's all to say that there are there are ways to imagine more adventuring that could be in magic in the future mm -hmm. makes sense yeah no we're uh never going to say nothing, never going to say not happening ever again. Uh, so who knows if there's a good fit in the future. We'll see. Um, tell you what, let's start. I'm going to start diving into Twitch chat here and seeing Ooh. what kinds of questions we might be able to get to today. Uh, let's see here. There was a quick question asking uh, about the size of the oversized dungeon cards. Um, those are going to be about the same size as like the the plane chase or the old oversized commander cards, correct? Mm -hmm. Exactly the size of the oversized commander cards. <laughs> exactly those. Not even not even being. Uh, yeah, no need to beat around the bush on that one. Um, so if you still have any of the sleeves for those, there you go. There you go. Yeah. You are. Th those ones are magic backed as well. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the those... most of the dungeon tokens that you you'll open in boosters have some other token on the back. Like the back of the Tomb of Annihilation is usually an Atropol. Um, the back of Fandelver is usually a skeleton. The back of uh, Tomb of, the, of Dungeon of the Mad Mage is usually a goblin. So there's goblins in this set. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, there's I mean, a goblin on Fandelver, I mean, which is why. Yeah. 
absolutely had to, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be D D unless there were goblins, no. unless they got into trouble, and unless uh they were a nuisance to low level party members. Mm -hmm. Um question here from Silver the Canadian. Uh will venture into dungeons be on uh spells or just on creatures? Yes. Oh. Um so I mean Eliwick right ventures into the dungeon. Mm -hmm. Um other other spells will venture into the dungeon. There's there's a lot to be said for the design space of creatures that venture when they do things and can do them repeatedly, but also spells that are like, oh, now I can venture from my hand as opposed to having to be on the board first. Mm -hmm. The space is very rich. Makes sense. Um getting some questions asking about uh, the party mechanic. Um, we talked about this a little bit, I think, on Twitter, but yeah, uh, mm -hmm. while we have, you know, uh, creature types that are going to be familiar or that are, uh, are the same ones that we featured in, in the party mechanic, uh, there aren't any actual party cards in the set, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. It doesn't, yeah, the mechanic is not in Adventures in Forgotten Realms, but certainly cards from Adventures in Forgotten Realms can play in a deck that you have built around the party mechanic um yeah, right more, like, more rogues more warriors more rogues more warriors yeah exactly but also barbarians and sorcerers and mm -hmm. warlocks right like right. because right. party was already defined to be just four creature types mm -hmm. but DD has more classes than that we didn't want to be like oh these classes are the cool classes and if you like bards tough Right. And so <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of emphasis on what the D and D classes are and the concept of being in an adventuring party and for example, venturing into the dungeon, but not um specific callbacks to the Zendikar mechanic beyond cards that are rogues or warriors and are good in your mm -hmm. party deck. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, let's see here. Checking out some other questions. Uh just a another sort of basic one asking about uh, the different booster types that are going to be available for this set. So this is going to be typical for our other standard releases. We are going to see draft boosters, set boosters, and collector boosters of Adventures in the Forgotten and, Realms. And theme boosters. Yep. And theme boosters. Right, and theme yep, theme boosters for this uh, for this set. Um, uh, a lot of questions here that are going to be answered by the preview season, so unfortunately I can't go through all of these, but Chances are good you're going to be seeing a lot of the things that you're asking about. Uh, you know, seeing a question here from Johan Leafhart about can we expect some iconic two-ed monsters like the Tarrasque? I can't, I can't say anything, but I will say lots and lots of classic iconic creatures coming to this set. Um, I think people are going to get going to get a kick out of what they see for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. all of the creatures and concepts and things where you're like, oh, I want to see the magic version of that too. We definitely at least thought about making the magic version of that too. Probably <laughs> we also followed through depending on how esoteric your your want mm -hmm. is. There's there's some really deep cuts. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, uh, we've we've already revealed the flumph. I want to say yes. Uh, that was, right. uh, uh, yeah, showed off on, on creature one of type our jellyfish. Shows. Of course. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, those adorable squishy little things. Um, we have a question here asking about: Are there going to be stories featuring these new characters, or do they only appear on cards? Um, so I can answer that. that gets into, yeah. 
I can answer that. Okay. Um, so the um, these characters primarily do just appear on the cards. Um, they're normally for our other magic sets. We have put out web fiction um, associated with the set. We have for this product for Adventures in Forgotten Realms. We have a Dungeons and Dragons adventure that is going to come out in five five installments of one adventure um, over the weeks of preview leading up to the release. Um, it's an adventure that is built for, um, I think, characters, players that are in levels eight through 10 or so. Um, so it's, a, yeah. it's not quite purely entry level, but I think there's enough tools to kind of help you dive in and be able to play around with some really fun uh, spells um, with, with the characters that you have. We're also going to be providing some uh, pre-generated character sheets if people are interested, but they can also roll up their own characters. And it is um, kind of just a fun uh, what-if adventure in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, no, that's super cool to see. Uh, yeah. You know, venturing out a little bit from from how we've done Magic Story in the past and having mm -hmm. something truly interactive. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, let's take a look here. Um, another question from uh, Amelia... Chameleon? W? Yeah. Is it true that when I enter the dungeon, I have to continue the game from under the table? Uh, no. Uh, if you are playing with your silver border house rules, all of you know, we're, we're not going to stop you, but that's certainly not required. Let's take a look here. Um, so we've we've unveiled, we've we've shown off the cards for uh, Drizzt and Brunor and Tiamat. Um, Safe to say, I'm just looking at some of these questions, safe to say that there will definitely be some other uh, famous named characters from the Forgotten Realms that are going to be in this set. Mm -hmm. um, we've only just begun on preview season, and who boy, are there going to be some cool ones. Um, yeah, no shortage of legends, no shortage of characters yeah. you'll recognize. Let's see... Uh, let's see, Benny Mon asking, how will Venture and Dungeons work on Arena? Uh, pretty much the same as they work in paper, honestly. Uh, we'll have more to share with uh, some of the um, state of the game updates coming to MTG Arena uh, in a couple of weeks here. But you'll find that the, the implementation on both Magic Arena and Magic Online, very similar to how things function in paper. Uh, you'll have the ability to select between the different dungeons when you uh, cast a card or, or a trigger an ability uh, with Venture. And then from there, you'll just run through the abilities just like you would with the paper cards. Uh, so yeah, we'll have more to share about that as time goes along here. Keep the questions coming, folks. Happy to answer a few more here while we still have time. Uh, there were some questions here about uh, dungeons and format legality. Um, so generally speaking, the you know anytime if there are cards that have venture in them, uh, that sort of dictates where you're going to see these dungeons in the different formats, right? So you know there are standard cards here that have venture. So any the any format where those standard cards are going to be legal, you'll see the dungeons associated with those cards. Right. I'm trying to think of an example of you'd need like to Garth One Eye and Adventures in the Forgotten Realms card in standard 
or something once adventures yeah. of the forgotten realms leave standard basically like cards can venture <laughs> into the format like afr yeah they're afr cards that care about dungeons are legal in all the formats where afr is legal yeah there we go i think um, i need to so... add tomb of annihilation to one of my artifact archaeology decks where artifacts just get destroyed all the time um, and so similarly, uh, when cards with Venture rotate out of standard, that's likely when we're not going to see those dungeons and uh, the Venture mechanic anymore. Um, you know, Venture and the dungeons are pretty, pretty, pretty much closely tied, right? Looking around for more questions here. We have time for just a few more before we wrap it up here for the day. Um... What's everybody's favorite D and D class to play? Oh gosh, um, I had a blast one time. I played a a cleric uh, who. Oh gosh, it's been several years now. Um, the uh, the Forgotten Realms God of Judgment and the Afterlife. I'm trying to remember their name. Torn. Um, Torn. Sounds that sounds right. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a cleric with uh, who worshipped that deity uh who was just like uh and they were just sort of this like depressive uh like existential uh guy that was obsessed with making sure that the undead were never around um that was that was a great campaign yeah what about you maris i i've most recently played a monk i'm but kind of most of my characters in the past have been rogues or rangers um but then i all regard even when i'm rogues i always end up being like lawful good so it's this strange like i'm the rogue that uh, won't break into things <laughs> uh, i know <laughs> but i make all the friends that's good yeah big on party face i'm actually also currently playing a monk who doesn't wear armor because he thinks he can't die and he's wrong very exciting <laughs> I know, but not wearing armor is what gets you extra bonuses as a monk, so right. why would you yeah. put on the armor? It's getting all the wrong incentives. Let's see here. A question about whether or not we're going Ooh. to see uh, any other or uh, any anything from, from that 80s cartoon showing up in the main set of AFR here. Uh, not the, the cartoon itself doesn't have any relation to the Forgotten Realms. Uh, I mean, Tiamat did appear in the cartoon, also, you know, a classic figure in, in the Forgotten mm -hmm. Realms, but not going to be seeing any of uh, any of that party or the, the Dungeon Master from the 80s cartoon showing up in AFR proper. But that Secret Lair set is there. We, we, we have a lot of love for uh, for that classic cartoon, so you'll be able to play with those cards at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, with Adventures in Forgotten Realms, we um, kind of default start with fifth edition and the adventures and characters and creatures that have shown up in fifth edition and then kind of expanded back from there as appropriate for particular characters or particular mechanic needs. So. Yeah, a lot of the artists, I would say, I, I got the distinct impression probably started in like first, second edition, just based on both literally who some of them were, but also the, the nature of the art that was coming back, right? Um, 
Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're working on an article about a lot of the, the backstory of how some of the art came to be, which is super, super cool. But mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot going on with the old, the old art shows that you can see in the, the rulebook frames for, um, for Cloister Gargoyle and, and Friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, going back down here. Sorry, I just saw a question from uh, Words42 uh, asking about the new card treatment that's on Evolving Wilds that got previewed on Polygon today. Oh, yes. Um, Sean, I believe, uh, I believe, yeah, we have a that yes. Evolving Wilds here. This is actually another new thing that we um, showed off today that we uh, definitely want to want to showcase with everybody here. Uh, these are the module showcase cards that appear on mm-hmm. a selection of lands that are in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Um, so, what is the deal with this for 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 the for the zoomers in the crowd, for the audience who does not recognize what's going on here? Uh, what what are we doing with these cards? There are um, paper adventures <laughs> from pre digital Dungeons and Dragons eras. Uh, that those adventure modules, um, their covers looked very similar to this. Like this frame is evoking those early adventure modules. So for these lands, it was um, Evolving Wilds is I think the only pre-existing land that uh, pre-existing title uh, for a land and the others are are new and will be previewed one day soon. But as a card, they're meant to kind of evoke like, oh, I'm playing this card and that's the that's this adventure that I would be playing, even though it it um, doesn't necessarily take you to adventure to venture into a dungeon or anything, but um, they are definitely evoking yeah, just, those early adventures for Yeah. So uh, these are these are honest to goodness magic cards. They will be showing up in booster mm-hmm. packs. Um, yeah, similar similar distribution to other showcase cards that you've seen in the past, similar to the yeah. uh, the showcase rulebook cards that are also in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. So this is a really cool throwback. Uh, it was I remember the first time I saw these uh, a while back. It was it was a bit of an eye popping moment for me, not gonna lie. Um, but really really cool to see those, and again more more classic artists uh, returning to uh, to do some new illustrations for these, which has been really rad to see. I have a quick note I want to make for folks regarding the expansion symbols, because you might have noticed on this one, it's not too obvious because it's just a common um, uh, card, but on some of the other showcase cards, the expansion symbols were showing up like kind of bluish um, or kind of, or mm-hmm. more of a yellow. So instead of the kind of metallic-y silver and gold and um, and coppery mythic orange, for the showcase cards, which are illustrated in kind of a very flat color space, our normal expansion symbol colors just looked weird. And so we took a different approach of making them slightly um, just a solid color kind of to play into that same flat illustration. So it might be a different color than your normal uh, expansion symbol, but the rarities, they they are real. (laughs) And that was intentional. Yeah, nothing, nothing new about the the function of them, but just a slightly different yeah. look to help yeah. better match what's going on with everything else going on with the cards. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I didn't notice those until uh, someone told me. By the way, these are different. I was like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that they just fit in so well with the rest of the design. Sometimes it can be hard to mm-hmm. tell. Well, that's good. Uh, we are, yeah, <laughs> job accomplished. Yes. Um, 
we are just about out of time here. Um, so the last question that uh, that we can answer here, when is the full preview season starting? Uh, that is on the 29th. So coming up next week, we'll have even more cards, more things to show off, and uh, we will really get this thing kicking into high gear. Um, so with that in mind, next week, Blake will be back, joined by, uh, I believe, James Wyatt and Jules Robbins of the uh, AFR mm -hmm. design team and creative team. And uh, they'll be talking all about the new previews that are going to be unveiled that week, along with even more uh, looks behind the curtain into how the set was made. So thanks again very much, Max and Maris, for joining us today. It's been great having you. Thank you.